0: Okay, so look, I went to a lunch last week with a bunch of old spies.
1: Sounds fun.
0: I got invited to a... Look, it's it's a little fun. When you get black bagged and zip tied and thrown in the back yep. of a van and you wake up in Mogadishu with your phone in your backpack, look, bottom line was uh, they drink a lot more than I, I remember.
1: And I'm surprised that you even got an invite.
0: <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I don't remember much about after anything after my Barramundi schnitty. But here's the thing. They actually sort of, when I said, look, I'm doing a podcast, half the room stepped away from me. The other half of the room stepped up to me and went, yeah, tell us more. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to put one out there that we've already done. I want to do a replay of a podcast yep. called The Full Minsky. It's our, it was our second one. And it was, se- it was a good one as well. It's a fun one. But also, I was approached recently by the ABC... Mm. and they wanted to do an in-depth look at this very story. So once you've listened to The Full Minsky, go onto the ABC Listen app and look up days like these and an episode called "Sergey the Spy. And it's literally a walkthrough. I walked down Oxford Street to tell the full story and reenact the story that. of The Full Minsky. And so were that's you what drinking
1: we're lots of... It was whiskey, wasn't it? It wasn't vodka, because he was opposite to what you would expect from a Russian spy.
0: Exactly. He was drinking lots of whiskey, very much like I was when I... I was at lunch the other day, which is also another reason why I probably didn't get around to writing a new episode. Yes,
1: because been... basically you've been drunk or hungover.
0: Well, you know, as I said, when you wake up in Mogadishu with your phone and you're asked, what are you going to do? <laughs> you've got to get home somehow.
1: And thank God you're back.
0: Hey, here we are.
1: You're listening to iSpy, the podcast that is the tea in a Russian poison plot.
0: I always drink coffee on the plane.
1: Hello, my name is Michelle Stevenson, I'm a national news director with NOVA and a journalist and I have to say I've covered a lot about information, freedom of information and exactly who is in charge of all of these secrets and it's really been something that I've wanted to dig deeper into so I've brought my friend David Callan along, I thought he could help us out, I mean you may listen to him speak and think what does this idiot (coughs) know? (laughs) <laughs> but he actually used to work for ASIO and I thought we could get together and talk ASIO, counterintelligence, espionage, all the fun things, but in an idiot kind of way.
0: No? Did you just call me an idiot?
1: I mean, I didn't mean
0: to. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs>
1: So I spied we're going to be unveiling some of the secrets of Australia's intelligence agency and kind of a bit more about its humdrum reality compared to the James Bond glitz and glamour that we kind of think is happening.
0: It really ain't that exciting.
1: Well, last week we tapped into how you knew a terrorist. You kind of went to school with him, right? Suspected terrorist. Suspe- sorry, I should say suspected terrorist, alleged, alleged terrorist. terrorist yes. <laughs> and we kind of unpacked how you got into ASIO and kind of what ASIO does. Well, this week we're going to look at a few other things: the KGB, CIA, yeah, yeah. ASIO, counterintelligence, you, the guys, the guys. Is that what you like to call them? The guys?
0: No, they were the targets.
1: <laughs> well, what about KGB? We haven't really talked about KGB. We've we've, we've kind of touched on the CIA and the MI5. Why don't you go into KGB?
0: Well, we don't have KGB here anymore. Well, it doesn't exist.
1: So, Did they just rebrand?
0: Yeah, (laughs) it became the FSB. And then they basically took over the entire government of Russia because we all know that Vladimir Putin is ex-KGB. Yes, we do. Trained KGB, did most of his time in Eastern Europe, was really, really good at counter-espionage and compromise operations as evidenced by the United States. (laughs) So, but the KGB was like target numero uno. It was the big one when the Soviet Union still existed, which it did while I was in the first half of my career. There were some really seriously, very, very skilled guys in the KGB working at the Russian embassy or the Soviet embassy, I should say, in Canberra, and also in their satellite offices and consulates.
1: What, What do you mean by skilled?
0: Well, they were really good spies. Right. Right. How, uh, like,
1: define a good spy, though. Like, uh, is there average spies? Yeah. Good uh, spies?
0: Totally average spy. And um, as it turned out, I got to follow a really average. Well, I thought he was really average, but it turns out I think he was a genius because he was so obvious. It was so obvious that he knew he was being followed. Kind of
1: like get smart. He didn't care. <laughs> was he like talking into a foot? <laughs> like, no.
0: Let me say the scene. I get to the office one morning and I'm literally told you're getting. On a plane and you're flying to sydney we need bodies on the ground and i'm just like "Mm -hmm. what a diplomat has left canberra and gone to sydney but has not cleared it with foreign affairs because with target countries countries that are technically our enemy if you want to travel in the country you kind of got to ask permission to move around so he just got on a plane and flew to sydney right and it was like oh my god because we were pretty sure this guy was in the firm. He was one of the KGB... <laughs>
1: the operators. firm. yeah.
0: He had a really stupid position in the embassy which generally is an indication that if you're not a co optee, you're definitely an actual officer. So we thought we've got to find out what this guy's doing, let's go. So everyone gets to Sydney because a lot of other people are tasked, a lot of the actual surveillance guys in Sydney are tasked on other targets so we can't pull them off that. We've got to keep our eyes on everybody else. So we start drawing people in. They drew me in because I had a little bit of training and I was available (laughs) (laughs) and they put me with the head of mobile surveillance in Sydney so I couldn't get into any trouble they kept me with the boss so I was basically the second pair of legs with him second pair of eyes this guy from the embassy went to the Soviet trade office in Wallara on Queen Street, mm. quite close to the uh, to Bistro Moncur and yep. very other, uh, several other very nice drinking establishments. Uh, as I discovered, there were some very nice drinking establishments because he visited all of them. Right. He left the Soviet trade office and started walking towards Oxford Street, like down Queen Street towards Oxford Street, and he stopped in every pub along the way. Enjoyed a tipple. Well, at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're drinking two shots of, like, two fingers of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course. It's <laughs> breakfast. Drink. It
1: is breakfast.
0: <laughs> what do you have? I have whiskey for breakfast. When do you drink vodka? Never vodka. That was the interesting thing. They really? They never drank vodka. Well, probably because they can get it so easily at home. Why would they bother drinking it here when they get something else? <laughs> what was interesting was he was using that to burn tail. Right, now, the whole idea is with mobile surveillance, the best way to shake a tail on foot is to let them know you can see them. So what would happen is he'd walk into a pub and then a surveillance team would walk in after him to see what he was doing. He'd be sitting at the bar with a whiskey and as they walked through the door, he'd raise his glass to them.
1: Oh my God. It was like,
0: <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> He's we're He's taunting out. Yeah, We're out, we're out, we're out. Everyone was just like, we're out, we're out, we're out. We're out yeah, we're right. Out. Right, so we follow him down the street. It winds up just being the head of surveillance and myself that walk into a pornographic cinema at the far end of Oxford Street down in the city. This, yeah, you know, it was, oh, it's just cringeworthy. It's horrible. It's like you didn't want to touch anything in case you stuck to it. Oh, it was.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, now this is definitely one way to shake a towel, right?
0: Well, the whole thing is, it's like. Yeah, it's one way to shake a tail, but what the hell is this guy up to? Who's he meeting? What's going on? And then in between the movies in this cinema, they had a stripper come out and do a live show. All
1: right. So I think, and what, what time is this? Like still in the morning? Oh, We're getting
0: into lunchtime now. Okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, what, el- like, what else are you doing at lunch? Yeah, what are
0: you doing at lunch? You got the lunch shift? Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, he got up on stage and joined the stripper and like joined like what, in. Okay.
1: Wait, uh, what do you mean?
0: (laughs) Not stripping, exchange of bodily fluids.
1: Okay, so I still don't know what you mean.
0: He was having sex with the stripper. On stage? On stage.
1: Were there other people around?
0: Oh yeah, there was us. There was everybody, it was in a cinema.
1: This is so bizarre. Yeah. I do not understand this. Yeah,
0: I know you don't, I didn't either and I turned around to the head of surveillance and went, oh my god, we don't have a camera. Because this is an incredibly compromising position for this person to yeah, put right. himself in. He's married. We've got him bang two rights. And I went, we don't have a camera. Because the- we
1: don't have mobile phones with cameras then. No, we didn't. No.
0: And I. the great thing is the surveillance officer looked at me and went, we don't have the right guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so who were you following? Oh, no, we were following exactly who we were meant to be following. Right. Because he wanted us to follow him.
1: Uh, but he wasn't... The right guy.
0: He was not the right guy. Whoever we were meant to be following, we didn't have eyes on them. And that was the trick, right? He was basically put into the field, made a huge furore, then the balloon goes up and we go looking for him while he's walking down Oxford Street, drinking himself to the point where he can get on stage with a, I'm going to be honest, an average-looking stripper.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, after, like, a whole bunch of whiskeys, everyone looks great. Everyone's
0: fantastic. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, he was wearing Johnny Walker goggles. He was (laughs) completely happy. But the problem was, who was it we were meant to be following? Who was the person that was actively in charge of an operation?
1: Well, do you know the answer to that? Yes, we do. Okay, cool.
0: Now, it's a very difficult one because it involves other intelligence operations, uh, well, other intelligence services, foreign intelligence services, and I don't want to go too far into it but because it could reveal how intelligence works. But essentially, there was a person from that embassy who went camping on that day. okay. And funnily enough, through sources we discovered that the Russians kicked a geostationary satellite out of orbit for like about three orbits, and that orbit just happened to pass directly over where this guy from the embassy happened to be camping with his family.
1: Okay, so so uh, essentially, talk me through this.
0: Right, uh, you've got a piece of information you need to get back to yeah, right home base. How do you do it? You right now anything? it's now it's easy okay. now it's quite easy you yeah. can send it through any number of file servers you can because everything's online now it's quite easy to move things around yeah back then a lot harder because we didn't have a world wide web so how do you get a piece of incredibly delicate intelligence to another location without it being seen you send it to a satellite but you've got to have you've got to be in a position where a satellite can see you
1: so you've got to be like literally standing under that satellite
0: yeah Okay. Right, because you want to do a direct beam up to that satellite, then that satellite sends it back down to headquarters, to wow. Square yep. in the Soviet Union, in Moscow, and they start reading it. So it turned out that about three weeks later we discovered that this had happened.
1: Okay, but and you don't know what that, that was? At the mm,
0: I would say right now we have no idea what that was so to in, this day.
1: So, in terms of the person you were following, mm-hmm. was he a spy? Or did he have anything to do?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, I'd say, yeah, definitely. Totally ID'd. Okay. Yeah, totally. But um, the weird thing was it really felt like his entire role in the embassy was to t- was to be a clown.
1: Was to take the piss, essentially. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> literally, on so many levels. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> like, literally on so oh. many levels. Yeah. I, but I, do you think they planned out that whole scenario? Yeah. Literally down to the having sex with this stripper on stage?
0: No, I think that would have been the opportunity that presented itself. I personally, I would say that what happened was he went, all right, I've got someone on my tail. He would have identified us by that point. By then we knew we were blind. And that's a poor turn of phrase for this conversation. <laughs> but I think he would have gone, "How long can I keep these guys watching me?"
1: Right. So then this this happens, right, with mm. the stripper. What what happens next? What's your next move?
0: Oh, we go home. I think someone slyly let his wife know what he'd been up to because <laughs> there was there were reports of Domestic disturbances that evening at his house when he got home from Sydney at about nine that night. Mm. I believe it was a fry pan to his head. The whole thing was this guy did exactly what he had to do. He distracted. And that's one of the great things about intelligence is you don't know which, you know, when you've got items in play, things are in motion, you don't know which one to watch. Yeah. So the whole thing was this guy played the perfect role of the fall guy while the actual operation was taking place in a completely different location. And that's the great thing about intelligence. That's what I really like about it. It's like, what's important and what's not. And a lot of the time you can get it wrong.
1: Yeah, so you've got the, so what was the KGB?
0: KGB is their version, it was a foreign intelligence gathering organization, right? But the thing is, that it's really difficult. The Russians structure their intelligence differently. So the KGB has an internal component which looks after internal threats like ASIO would, but they also have an external component which goes outside and gathers intelligence. Where ASIO has an internal presence, which is we look after ourselves, our external or foreign presence, and there are ASIO officers that work overseas, they actually are there to liaise with foreign intelligence organisations. So you sit in that country, say you go to London, you're the first person we have that goes to contact MI5 or MI6 to talk about intelligence, right? The Russians probably have the same sort of thing, but they would, in the countries that they're allied with, but then they would have guys that sit there and outwardly try to recruit and gather foreign intelligence.
1: Right. So in terms of KGB, yep. that, I mean, they've rebranded. Would you Would you say that there is still Russian spies in Australia to that extent?
0: More so. More so. I reckon there would be more in the country now simply because we trade on so many similar levels as the Russians. Yeah. And that's really where all intelligence is sort of focused at the moment is like, yes, we we love to know about your military. We really would. And we'll do everything we can to find out about it. But it's getting to the point, it feels to me, that military is so industrialised anyway, that it's industrial intelligence and trade intelligence that they're really interested in. A lot of the stuff that would be going on from the Soviet, U- from the Soviet Union, going, on, going backwards <laughs> in time, from Russia would be foreign interference. Right. right. That seems to be a really big portion of Russian intelligence at the moment is foreign interference, which everyone gets kind of upset about. But what I find funny about that at the same time is everyone does it. Right. The, the Americans, how dare you interfere in our elections? But you've interfered in so many political systems around the planet.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look at American foreign policy, a lot of it... Has created in itself its its own dramas. Yes. I mean there's there's a whole theory called blowback, which looks at how um, September 11th was a byproduct of the Clinton administration bombing a Sudanese pharmaceutical company, which wasn't actually a pharmaceutical company. So there's all these there's all these mm. things, and then them training Osama bin Laden for you know to get the Chechens out of Russia, like. In in terms of when you look at the world as we know it, yeah. America has contributed to terrorism and what we what we're looking at right now.
0: Sharma's Johnson's book, Blowback, which yes, is the one who that's the one who I was framed talking it. about. Um, so good, the, yeah, it's a brilliant book because you suddenly realise, oh, okay, everything that keeps happening is happening because. America, a lot of the time, America is conducting operations without considering what the consequence of that operation is. Yes. Um, And that's a relatively common aspect of intelligence. There are times where you'll conduct an operation thinking, this is going to work really well, this is exactly what we need to do. And the flip of it is, you know, a year, two years, five years later, you realize we've created a problem as opposed to solving it
1: it's kind of like the butterfly effect yeah like you you think you think you're causing no ripple waves and then something just goes off so when we're looking at spy agencies do you is there a code does everyone work within a parameter of like ethics or <laughs> do you know what I mean like do is there a code of ethics I don't know
0: I mean that's a really good question because there is a kind of code of ethics I mean my wife and I, my wife uh, was watching, she was, I just get dragged into it, she was watching NCIS LA. Oh, right? God. And I, everyone my, dies. I wa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, at one point, I turned around and said, I really want to sit down and just mark up how many people get killed in an entire season of NCIS because everyone get like, they're shooting people left, right and centre. Mm. It, it just doesn't work like that. Spies don't go out and kill each other. James Bond, yeah, he kills a lot of people. The whole thing is, if you kill one of ours, yeah. or you mess with one of ours, we're gonna mess with one of yours, all right? right. It, it tit for tat is- So it's an eye as, for an eye. Yeah, it is regarded as fair play. So it is actually detrimental to kill people. Arrest them, yep. Kick them out of the country, definitely. Right. Declare them persona non grata, that is death to a spy. Right. Literally, being declared persona non grata is essentially telling the entire world, you are a spy, we identify you as a spy, good luck with your next job because and, you're out.
1: And have there been cases where that's happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, could you give
0: it an example? One guy who was outed by the Reader's Digest. He was a, yeah, <laughs> go figure.
1: All these people sitting on their toilets now know this yeah. spy. <laughs> what? Because why is Reader's Digest always <laughs> in a bathroom? Yes. I don't know.
0: <laughs> because it's a short read. <laughs> That's it. It's sure yeah. it's, it's, it's digestible. Or, <laughs> digestible or the end of digestible if you yeah. like, if you want. Right. Um, there would been suspicions that this guy could possibly be uh, he would worked in several countries mm. and then the readers digest basically went a lot of spies believe that this man is a spy and it was like <laughs> imagine well imagine this poor bloke sitting on the toilet going oh uh, no.
1: no oh shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh crap my career is in the crapper. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Literally, we your career is in the shitter. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it did. It killed his career. It was over. Once you declared persona non grata, that's pretty much it. Right. Right. The, the funny thing about it is there was always a suspicion that there was someone in ASIO that was, must have been a, a Russian mole. Right. Yeah. Um, and that went right back to when ASIO was first established because the MI5 director who came over to Australia to establish ASIO, he sort of got embroiled with the Cambridge Five. Do we understand the Cambridge Five? No. Burgess, Philby, Meredith, McLean and one other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing with the, the the Cambridge Five were they were these, you know, Cambridge graduates, very, very hoi uh, polloi, <laughs> the upper crust of England, and they were all recruited by the KGB and they were all working in MI five and MI six.
1: But they were they were double agents.
0: Yeah, yeah, very famous. In right. fact, Philby was um, Philby was in Beirut. The Beirut used to be an absolutely hotbed of spies. Now, Philby wound up in Moscow. He mm. defected to Moscow and was he basically. Died the life of a defector, which is a terrible way to go.
1: So, why would you? A. What would you get out of being a, a, a double spy, especially for you know for Moscow and mm. the English? And then also, why would you defect that way?
0: <laughs> well, if you once you're exposed, you've right. got to get out. Once right. it once you've been exposed as a double agent, once you've been exposed as a as a mole, yeah, you're you're done.
1: But what would you get out of it? I just don't, I don't freedom.
0: Don't you get that Going, what? Or no, oh, I mean, being a double agent. Being a
1: double agent. Well,
0: that's where we get down to money, ideology, okay, compromise, right. ego. Right, 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 the right. basic core of how you recruit an agent. Yeah. Right. Which is money, I can pay you. Mm. Problem with money is someone can it's pay traceable. you more. Well, it's traceable, but more than that. Well, not necessarily. Right. Bitcoin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of spies on the crypto yeah. market.
0: I'll give you a Bitcoin. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: rich! But it's, the thing is, if I can pay you a certain amount to work for me, mm. then someone else can pay you more to work for them. So yeah. money is always part of the frame because people want to get paid. But it's the other three, ideology, compromise and ego. Now, ideology with the Cambridge Five, they were communists. Right. They'd all, okay. They would yep. all gone to that Communist Party meetings and they all believed that the Soviet Union was the right way to go. Compromise, There were, some of them were gay and because of that, Uh, But they were also well-to-do and Mm. married and the whole thing. So they were trying to protect their reputations that way. And finally, ego, which is, I mean, you look at someone like Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's already covered with money and compromise. Mm. Ideology, he doesn't have one. But if you were looking at recruiting him and, you know. Narcissism. uh, Playing to his ego. Yeah. play to his ego, which is you're the only person that can do this. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. You got money. So I'm paying you to work for me. I appeal to your ideology. By the way, I've got you with your pants around your ankles and you're the only guy that can do this. Right, so you will work for somebody. And it is, it's a It's a beautiful art of persuasion. And I've done an exercise where I was recruited by an ASIO officer. It was an exercise. I was playing a role as an actor.
1: One of your greatest roles. One of my greatest
0: roles. <laughs> Great role. Navy captain working, young Navy captain working in the, oh, no, not captain. Oh, not, the hunt
1: for Ed October. Uh,
0: Lieutenant command, not a captain. <laughs> Sean Connery, you yes. play Sean Connery. That's right. <laughs> yes. Be careful. There are some things that don't appeal to bullets. Um, <laughs> I perfected my Sean Connery wife. I bet you did. Oh, yes. The thing is, like, so in that I played a young lieutenant commander in the Navy who was working in the submarine division at Russell offices. That was my role. Mm. This guy had to recruit me because I'd met a Russian diplomat at a party and, like, the whole thing was this guy. And it's a series of meetings. And the great thing was the first meeting was, you know, I get a phone call from this guy going, hey, look, I'm from ASIO, I really need to talk to you about something that's happened. Oh, okay, fine, I'm a military guy, so yes, I'll, 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 I'll definitely go and have a meeting with you. So the guy shows up at my house and turns around and goes, this is what's going on, This, have you met this man? Shows me a photo, and I mm. know the photo, I've been briefed on it. Yeah, 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 I met him at a cocktail party um, somewhere. And he went, yeah, well, he's KGB. And it's like, uh, what? He's like, he's a KGB officer. Um, Has he asked for anything? I just wanted some, like, sounding maps of Sydney Harbour because he he likes boating. (laughs) And he was like, did you give him to him? Well, I won't. I'll do several contact. And that's when they go, no, no, no. Give him the maps. Right. Because then it's like, now we've got an agent working against yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody we think is a foreign intelligence So it's officer. that double play. So, yeah, it's all of this interweaving of but the thing was, I knew I was playing a role. I mm. know this guy was playing a role and I still would have like, with after You were still f- doing it. After five minutes I would have gone, yeah, my mother, killer, cool, yeah. I'm on to it. it. was He was that convincing. Yeah. And a really really good case officer is that convincing. Right. They're very persuasive and they're very forthright as well, which I found really interesting. I, I did the exercise a number of times uh, and some of them were just terrible my favorite was one who turned around and went I opened the door and you were never meant to work against somebody that you knew and I opened the door it's a guy I knew and he went oh great just give me the answers because uh, there's this girl I'm going to meet up in half an hour and it's like I am going to call the police now (laughs) because you said you were from ASIO and you had to you literally had to keep in the role right you couldn't break break protocol and it was great the second time i met him he's like going, uh, okay yes uh we've got to take it seriously it's like guys you can't match us with people we know which
1: i can absolutely see why you enjoyed this because it was all role play at yeah. some point oh yeah, yeah
0: a lot of a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot of play. acting yeah a lot of acting for did mate. you
1: feel like you're on one big constant set movie set
0: <laughs> Oh God, I wish.
1: I know, but like you know, for example, when you know when you're walking in and you you see that that gentleman having sex with a stripper on stage, it's just so absurd. It's almost it would be a storyline. Yeah, to a movie. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. So
0: absurd. Totally, it was utterly ridiculous. But that's one of the interesting things: is that kind of absurdity really mm. existed?
1: Yeah, and now in terms of watching. Watching your targets, so you've kind of tapped into that a little bit. Yeah. Now we've got a, as you say, there's a lot of lot of people over here, a lot of spies, mm. um, working for different countries. Do you have eyes on all of them, or would there be some that you are unaware of? I'm assuming there'd be some you're unaware of.
0: I think there'd have to be. Yeah. I mean, we're they're very good at spotting them. Uh, one of the things that I did do when I was there was I used to see visa photos of uh, Soviet delegations coming in the country, mm. and it was the big game was spot the KGB. Really? Yeah, it was literally like, just from the photo, can you spot him? (laughs) Because they were always, they always seemed to have really heavy foreheads. They were always very rough until we had the Soviet rugby team come in. And it was like, no one can pick him because they were all just these really hard guys. But the thing that I really found fascinating about it was it's constant. Mm. It, It is constant. There is, if somebody. Gets knocked out. If you find one, identify them, and if you then declare them persona non grata, you've got to go right back to the start and find it because the new guy coming in isn't necessarily the next intelligence officer. He could the next spy could come in in a completely different position. Yeah, right. So it's it's shuffling. It's a it's a game of it's a jigsaw puzzle with three card monty, poker, craps, and darts. It's just <laughs> over the top,
1: and everyone's drunk.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah, not yet. Uh, we need to talk about alcohol, we,
1: and and we will we will get onto that. So I think you know we will excellent <laughs> while we're drinking yeah. whiskey. <laughs> so I mean what. What a, what a great story we, to finish on. We've really wrapped up how to how to follow those targets, ah. which is is pretty exciting.
0: There's some techniques that we can go into in another episode. I, yeah. Driving a car, car surveillance is a completely another thing. Static watching is another thing. There's so much to talk There's about.
1: So much to unpack. Next week uh, we'll take a look at bugging a hot tin roof.
0: Ooh, that was not a good day for someone. Not a good day. No.
1: I can't wait to get into it. Okay.